0: welcome to episode 15 of uncontained i'm your host aaron static render and today's guest is comedian donzilla don trinagle he's been called one of the raunchiest comedians ever so needless to say you're in for a treat in this episode don and i discuss how he got his start performing comedy for free lattes at a coffee shop in las vegas becoming the youngest performer to ever have his own show on the vegas strip Recording multiple DVDs and giving many comedians, including myself, their first show. Enjoy episode 15 with comedian and host of Donzilla's Comedy Showcase, Donzilla, Don Trenagel.
1: Don, how's it going, man? I'm I'm great. (laughs) Great, great. You want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we get started?
2: Oh, well, just a standard uh, stand-up comedian. I started... um... Years ago in Vegas for free coffee, and I've just kind of continued it since. There was a, a coffee house. It's in the late 90s, so there was coffee houses everywhere. And they used to have open mics there, so I remember walking home from school. I had to go to UNLV because I got hurt playing football in college, so I had to find the cheapest school in the country, which was UNLV, because I lost my scholarship dollars. And So I'd walk home, and they would have uh, free lattes. Anybody went up and did the, the open mic. And loved coffee, so I went up and did five minutes for free lattes, and that's kind of how it all started up.
1: <laughs> right, on. I would have done that too, man. Yeah, you gotta, so I was gotta, like, gotta was you dream to be a
2: comic?" I'm like, "No, I just really wanted a free coffee." It was all kind of came out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a few a months juice. later, they had me in a live show on the strip, and I uh, graduated college and just kind of that was my job, so I just kept doing it.
1: How'd you jump from uh, free coffee to a lounge show on the strip? Oh,
2: some guy came down and saw me do a few impressions and then asked me to come down and do his show and would do five to seven minutes there of just standard comic impressions and then I got lured uh, over to do a dirty show called Sin City Stand Up. It used to be on a on before, right after the Sin City Showcase, a show they had on FX and I did dirty impressions on that one It just kind of bounced all over town did work wherever and i started off as a comic impressionist then started doing stand-up and that's just yeah, i know it's
1: kind of how it all worked out what kind of impersonations would you do
2: oh but I, well for the older crowd the lounge crowd you'd do a lot of jimmy stewart impressions would do some awesome uh, cartoon characters and whatnot he would they used to come to me weekly and want me to come up with like new impressions so then i would study them and then uh do them for them and like when the Star Trek casino was done, they wanted me to do a whole Star Trek bit, so I wrote one of those up. And
0: anything that would happen. Okay. The
2: news, they'd ask me to do. He would do the presidents and whatnot. And so, I mean, I, it, that would be the hard part is trying to study some of them and learn how to do them. And I wasn't really. I was an okay impressionist. Some guys could do it really, really well. I had just a kind of a a bit of a you know small range in some of these guys. I couldn't get my voice to go up as high or, or do a lot of that stuff. So. That was kind okay. of limited, but I could do a few of them. It was kind—they're of, still kind of fun. I mean, if you can do one good impression, you're a hit at a party. I mean, <laughs> that's you know, true. If somebody that's can do true. one impression. Everybody—I mean, if, if you can impersonate your friend, everybody loves to hear it. Here's somebody impersonated or themselves or something. So,
1: so that yeah, the friend off, spectrum has a little bit smaller of a market, though. Like yeah, if you go yeah. like, "Oh, here's my friend," to somebody who doesn't know them, it's kind of limited. No, like...
2: you, you almost would. You, you, if you're up uh, in front of your friends, then you could uh, do impression. Oh, hey, here's Joe at work, or something like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's good for a laugh in front of five people, but yeah, yeah that's the impressionist. You don't see many of them out there. Like ventriloquism, that stuff throws me off. I'm like, I don't know how guys can do that.
1: I know, yeah, not even move their lips. Yeah,
2: I don't know how they do it. Uh, it, it fascinates me how they. You know, I was like, wow, now that's. Um, that's a different kind of talent I'd never know. Hypnotists scare the hell out of me. That, I don't know, they're putting people under, making them chickens and crap. I, that freaks me out, so.
1: Have you ever been hypnotized? No,
2: I could never get a hypnotized. The guy tried to do it, and he just said, I can't, just said he couldn't hypnotize me. Was probably because I'm too wound up, and I don't relax. And I was probably scared today he was going to turn me into some sort of chicken or,
1: you know. Every, every time somebody says Niagara Falls or something like that, you just belly flop on the sidewalk or well, something. Well, there should be a rule
2: yeah. that you never hypnotize a six foot five, two hundred seventy five pound pervert, because he <laughs> might put me in a weird place and might rape the room or something. You know, you might Hulk me out in a weird way or something. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that that could be dangerous. You, know, you might not that be able be to dangerous. control
2: it, and then I wake up wondering what's going on.
1: <laughs> so why am I handcuffed? Yeah. <laughs> And where am I?
2: Yeah, so they'd have a lot of that in Vegas, like magicians and stuff. And um, I never, uh, I, I never understood some of that, uh, how they did it, like, Bob, uh, sleight of hand guys. I was always kind of impressed with that. I'm like, how the hell they do that? And so stand up was always kind of far down the line. I'm like thinking, oh, okay, I can, I can handle the dirty jokes and stuff. But geez, some of the stuff these other guys do is pretty impressive to me, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I. I can't do. I can't even do like a basic card trick, let alone like make a tiger disappear. You know, but <laughs>
2: yeah. But I mean, you know, telling a telling a dirty joke, I guess has its uh, <laughs> has its place in the world. And it does. Course, it's a was, skill set. Yeah, dirty comedy. I always thought was uh was more risky than anything else because if you're out there telling a dirty offensive joke and it doesn't go, you're out there on the edge. There's no coming back. Um, clean comedy. I always thought was way easier because. Uh, you could always go back to the fact, well, I'm a clean comic, you know. If you didn't get the laugh, you could always just say, well, I'm clean comic, you know. And so I, I always thought doing clean comedy was a lot easier. Doing the TV show uh, with the cleaner version, trying to clean it up a little bit, a lot easier than doing a live show, a live recording in a, a bar or a theater where you got to kind of rock and roll a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the TV show, is that the Donzilla's Comedy Showcase yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, or? just a
2: standard three-comic show and it's recorded in waterloo iowa i always wanted to do it in waterloo because uh everybody told me it couldn't be done up here okay and i'm like no you can get cameras uh, you can get cameras anywhere and the hardest part about it is getting comics there's not enough comics that want to do it or they're all freaked out by it so that's been the tough part but recording something in vegas you'd have all the comics but then the text would be all whacked out you'd have one cameraman who was coked out another guy playing <laughs> with his girlfriend i mean texts out there were all over the place you I mean, you had venues, you had comics, but you couldn't get guys with equipment in to organize or produce something. You know, it was really, I mean, you'd have trouble. It'd be, oh, we got a guy coming in from California, have a cameraman coked out and two hours late. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was, that was the tricky part about it out there. But
1: Right on. So uh, for your TV show, uh, your comedy showcase... Um, what kind of uh, comedians do you have on there? Is it established comedians, comedians uh, that are fresh out of open mic? Oh, we've got both.
2: We've got some established guys, and we've got a few open micers. It's kind of like a mix, so if I get an established guy, I I change the format of the show to basically one opening comic for about three to five minutes, and then uh, the established guy for 15, and I kind of leave it open to the established guy. You know, I just kind of give him the time frame, and tell them somewhat tv clean so if they if they slip up we you know it's recorded live but it's played you know two months later so i can clean we can clean it up and edit it in if we have to and okay and a uh, bunch of the episodes are played on cw and fox regionally uh, a few of them are going to play on cw in las vegas
1: um a few in atlanta you know
2: just a few different regional markets it's playing and
1: and for the people who aren't in the Waterloo Cedar Rapids area, will they be able to check it out online? Oh, it's or? on the
2: YouTube and the Vimeo. Listen to me.
1: <laughs> on the I YouTube, the Vimeo. The the... It's
2: on the YouTube. In
0: the www. has got me on the Skype.
2: You know. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's on that. And then um, somebody was going to make a Facebook page. I I don't know how a lot of that works. I know how all the production side of it works, but. It, it's strange how you get it on YouTube and then people can share it around. And Actually, it's pretty amazing. The younger comics today, I hate to say it, they're such bitches because it's so easy to uh, send tapes and clips. You just yeah. get it on YouTube and send somebody a link. And you I mean, the old days when you wanted to get work, like late 90s, early 2000s, you had to go get some guy to dub you a video, and then you had to get the dub video and send it in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and then beg some club owner to watch it. And now you can just basically email them a clip. And these young guys are like, oh, I don't have any good video. I'm like, you idiot. Everybody in that room has got a cell phone or a video camera on it. Get your girlfriend to laugh at you and record five minutes of you, and then send it in a clip. I mean, it's amazing the what technology is available now to do this. and it, It's 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 really astonishing. I love I love the YouTube generation of comedy because it's made stand-up comedy shows better. The old days, they have a comedy show, and people would show up, and if they didn't like you, you know they'd be mad about it. They'd be mad they spent 5 or 10 bucks to come see you talk about something nasty. Now, before yeah. they go to the show, they just do a few clicks on the YouTube, and they see what your act is, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'd like that sort of thing, or oh, no, that's not for us. So I think stand-up comedy has gotten better because of it. You get a crowd that's okay. more qualified to what you're doing, and... You know, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's the guy who does the uh, the, the dirty jokes about this." I like dirty jokes, and or, or you get some lady like, "Oh God, I don't like that sort of thing." And you don't have to get yelled at by that lady later because she spent her Friday night watching you talk about your dink.
1: <laughs> so yeah, definitely. And you know, but do you find do you find that all the YouTube and everything makes it harder to find the good comics uh, as well, or is it like all like congested or? Do they, does the cream rise to the top?
2: Well, that's a, that's the a thing. I, I think every comic out there has got five to seven in them. I mean, I think everybody's got that. I, I even think people who are not into comedy have got five to seven minutes of funny in them. I mean, I think that possibility out with everybody. I mean, you can see a kid in an open mic, he's got like one good joke, two good jokes, and you think, geez, he could develop that into, you know, five to seven minutes, no problem. And, you know, everybody's got something that's funny, something that's happened. So, I, I yeah. don't know, I think um, it's actually made it easier to find guys, because you can see them, you can kind of see them in their element, and, I mean, there's tons and tons of bad comedy on the YouTube, which I think is kind of good, too, though. I mean, <laughs> some of that's kind of, it's, it's it's a sick thing, but some comics love to watch other comics bomb, and, I mean, it's really strange. <laughs> you, you have a bad comic, he will get ten times the views of people watching this guy eat it, and... Some comics have gone to that alternative comedy where their idea is to be the worst comic and bomb and, you know, go that, go the anti-comedy realm of it. But I I don't know. I I think YouTube's great with bad comics, good comics. I think I think it's great, you know, and and same thing with that Vimeo thing. And I, I mean, it's amazing. So, I mean, you can get people all over the world to tune in and see your stuff now.
1: Yeah, that is true. You can make it from pretty much anywhere now, with uh, as long as you have internet access. Oh yeah, you
2: know? I mean, uh, it, well, you're doing you're doing a podcast radio show. I mean, if it, if this was 1991, you'd be in your basement like uh, uh, Christian Slater getting run off by the FCC with the hot girl with the short hair. You know, <laughs> I mean, oh, with you're, pirate you're radio stuff. Now, Are you listening? You know, now you got internet. It's every kid every Christian Slater who's pissed off to be living in Arizona can now do a podcast or, you know, get the stuff out there. I think it's fantastic.
1: That is true, man. And like, it's, it gives you an awesome way to connect with other entertainers as well. And, uh, easy way without having to find like a comedy club or a radio station to get your word out there. Yeah, because
2: really you got the comedy club uh, blocking off. I mean, comedy clubs are running the same comics they did 25 years ago. So if you go, you're going to see the same guy from 83 doing the same jokes that he did in 83 just running through on the same run. Uh, Now with uh, the internet and everything, you can see brand new comics that would have never been given a chance at that club. Never been given a moment. And, uh, same thing with radio. Why should I listen to the same AM radio station, the same guy over and over again, giving his same daily routine? Listening to him blow on his coffee and, you know, talk down to everybody with his old voice. Well, in '53, you know, doing that stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, like I mean, how many times do I have to listen to? I mean, public radio. Garrison Keillor makes me want to slip my wrist. <laughs> but all, all all the smug ones love it. Oh Garrison, oh Link Wombacon, you know. I'm like, oh good God, so. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's great to have podcasts and the internet and all that. I'm, I'm, thr- I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan.
1: Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you are on my podcast. And uh, thank you for venturing into the world of the Skype. Yes. <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know, this is Don's first time on Skype. Oh, it Not is to- cool.
2: I'm doing all Skype all the time. They have, like, sex phone <laughs> Skype, phone sex Skype. I want to do that now.
1: Are are you gonna be the one on the cam doing the sexual deeds or God, I'm a freak.
2: Make some extra money. My wife's a stay-at-home mom. I gotta come up with other sources of income.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> Get the ball gag and like Yeah,
2: yeah I'm open. I'm open.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always open to try new stuff. That's what I like about you, Don. That's what I like about you. So um let's go back to the comedy thing and when you were in Vegas, you were the youngest comedian to um have his own show in Vegas, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I had my own showroom show at 22. And at that time, the guy says, yeah, No one your age has ever had this. And I had a showroom show at the um, Las Vegas Hilton, and then I had one at the Monte Carlo. Uh, a few years later, I had one at the Bourbon Street, and then was uh, going to come back to the Monte Carlo. I kind of would build a show up off strip and then just slowly take it to the strip. I did it three different times. Where I'd take an uh, actual show idea of a, you know, I used to have a show idea where I had um, two comics and then a uh, feature and then a, a closer. And the feature spot would be usually about 20 minutes, a closer would be about 25. Two comics up front that were 10 minutes, and then I would host it. And usually I'd have at least one female comic. I was very pro female comics and always tried to have at least one on the show, which was tough. There weren't that many of them. Yeah. And try to mix the show. I've tried to do that with a TV show, too. Try to get a nice mix of shows. But I always loved having a female comic because I thought just a little bit of estrogen, different point of view, would, I thought it made the show a lot better. And I thought if you had a really dirty uh, male comic, a female in there would just kind of soften the edges of it. It just made it easier to take that. And, okay. Even if she is a filthy comic, oh, yeah, too? It, just, or? It, it was another perspective. and. Used to love filthy female comics. I just think it was really, really funny. You know, it's fun to get a different perspective on dirty jokes, and so I was very pro uh, female comic. I mean, still really am. If I, they're hard to find. There's not many of them out there, and I hate when they say, "Well, I don't get work because I'm a female." No, no, no. There's plenty of guys looking for female comics because you want that yeah. mix. You want that, that difference. You know, I mean, you can't just put three guys on telling masturbation jokes every show. You got. You need one guy telling the masturbation jokes, maybe one guy doing some weird stuff, and then one female telling masturbation jokes, and then you got a really cool show. <laughs> <That> song.
1: <laughs> two parts masturbation, yeah, two, mean, different, two different, two different perspectives, perspectives on masturbation. You have three
2: heavy set guys talking about the same thing; it kind of runs together, and yeah,
1: yeah, masturbating and Krispy Kreme. Yeah, works.
2: so you need kind of like you need some different comics on it. So I, I used to be able to put together a pretty good show of local comics, and then. You know, we had a crowd in Vegas. That's the thing. Every, everywhere we went, we had a crowd follow us. So I was able to build a pretty nice following out there. So that's what led to a lot of the shows. Because uh, hey told me once uh, at the Riviera, um, Crazy Girls was a hot show at that time. And everybody went to it. The show wasn't that good. So I dated a girl who was in the show. It wasn't really that great of a show. And she even said, yeah, the show's crap. But people <laughs> come to see it. Well, it's got hot asses in it. So everybody was going to see it. And I remember the entertainment director, the rib says, he goes, Don, if you went up on stage and took a shit on the stage and 100 people paid to see it, you'd have a show in Vegas every night. (laughs) So (laughs) that's what I learned. It it doesn't really I love when these comics come up like, oh, yeah, we're going to rock this place tonight. I go, guys, it's kind of irrelevant if we just fill the room and people pay and buy drinks and do this. uh, We're fine. I mean, it doesn't really matter if the show is good. It just matters if people want to see it.
1: Very true, very yeah. true. So that's
2: that's really a lot of it. I knew that early on, and the challenge is just trying to get enough people to uh, get interested in what you're doing, buy it, and, I mean, because there is a business side to it. A lot of comics uh, sometimes pass that off, and they think they're artists first, and, oh, I'm such an artist, all I need is 10 people at a at a coffee shop to, to break through. No, nah, you kind of need some people willing to pay about 10 or $15 to come see you, or, or buy a DVD or a video on demand, and. Yeah. Then, then you really have got something salient. You got something you can sell to uh, different places and stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Have you ever thought about going back to Vegas? Oh,
2: I probably will. I'm planning on buying a condo back there again. I got a three year plan to get back there, but I'll just own a condo. I don't think I'll ever do comedy out there again. Um, okay. Because the, the last few times I went, I canceled the shows because. Um, Going back out there, it's basically, you know, when you lived out there, you want to go and see all the people you saw. And uh, I don't know if it was the right show, I'd probably put one on. But you got to dump a lot of money into Vegas to get a show. And if you're just out there for a weekend, I mean, to put one show on, you got to dump five grand or, you know, it's either dump five grand in a show or maybe go buy a watch. (laughs) So you kind (laughs) of... I don't know. In, in the live show things, uh, sometimes anymore, if you're doing a live show, if you're not recording it, I, I'd much rather record something really good somewhere and then put it on the YouTube or the Vimeo and have, you know, maybe five thousand, ten thousand people see that, as opposed to dropping five grand to do a showroom show in Vegas that maybe a hundred people will come to, maybe two hundred at the most. So yeah, that's kind of how I look at it anymore.
1: And, i thought you ended up doing a show in vegas just a little while back after a benefit got canceled yeah in we did a tumble? show there
2: for raising money for unlv film school but i mean that nah, i can only be so generous i mean we do a show and then give all the money away um and really i ended up going to old wine iowa anyway and doing it at a uh, a restaurant and so i did two charity events this year and kind of blew a lot of money and gave a lot of money away and and then what do I get for it? I, I get people in the small town telling me I'm an asshole because I said dirty jokes. But <laughs> so, so usually at the, end of at the, the same it's like okay, I gave a lot of money away. It was very generous. Paid everybody over and above to produce the show than what it would have normally been. Gave my residual money away for that month. And then the next morning at a small town coffee shop in town, I got some old lady calling me an asshole. And wasn't there a big newspaper write-up on it, too? I'm done trying. (laughs) I'll just go back to the recesses of dirty comedy and be left alone in the corner.
1: Yeah, was there a big uh, newspaper write-up on it, too? Yeah, there was. I mean, the
2: the town was really upset that I wasn't allowed. I mean, because the the theater I was going to was a community theater. So, I mean, that's taxpayer-funded. So if you want to go in there and rent the place and pay everybody... And this is really what I hate about this, is our show, you're not forced to go to it. If it's not something you might you may like, you don't have to come to it. It's strictly there for the people who like that sort of thing. Like, I go into a bar, I don't like vodka, but I would never, ever tell the bar to stop serving vodka. I, I mean, it just it makes no sense. But that's how people are. If they don't like something, they got to make it go away. And... Really, uh, if nobody wanted to see it... it here's, the, here's the other problem with some of these small towns. If the material is too offensive that no one would want to see it, then they should want my show to come into town because then I'm paying them money for the theater. I'm renting and paying everybody. And if nobody shows up, I don't do the show anyway, and they already got my money. <laughs> so well, there you go. If that's the case. They should like a guy like me. I'd pay and never even play the show if nobody wanted to see it. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think they're always a little bit... The problem is too with these community theaters, they don't like a guy like me coming in saying, I'll pay for their venue, I'll pay for this. Because then uh, certain people start taking a look at the theater saying, Well, why are all these public funds going to a theater like this when there's people willing to rent it? Why don't they run it on a private basis and stop uh, using taxpayer funded money to watch old people perform uh, plays like Our Town badly? So a lot of it's not even the content, it's that. Some guy has a sandbox that the taxpayers are paying for, and he only wants his friends to come over and play in his sandbox, and everybody pays. Yeah, that's usually what happens with those.
1: That's an interesting perspective. I never really thought about that, but it makes complete sense. Yeah. you know, like now but... Vegas,
2: Vegas is 100%. Like you got the money, all right. Um, you know, because that's uh, one thing. My check's clear, so when I rent a venue, the checks there usually six months before the, the show even started, and everybody's paid before the show even starts.
1: Yeah. So I mean,
2: I, I, I mean, I may be a dirty comic, but business-wise, I've got high ethics, values, morals, and I make sure people are paid and taken care of before we even start a show. And I, uh, I probably shouldn't do it so much with comics when I pay them ahead of time; they get all crazy and happy. And <laughs> when you pay a venue ahead of time, they start finding stuff they can start charging you for. After you agree to a price and they say okay, and then you send them a check, then they're like oh, well, there's a light turn-on fee of $15 and a light turn-off fee of 20 You know,
1: they start looking for... It's so, like, I can take care of them. that myself. Because
2: <laughs> uh, they want to start paying for the Music Man production that they're losing money on, that they have planned for two months after you're there. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard. Community stuff. theaters are hard uh, to put shows on. Civic centers are easy because... Um, I think they're filed differently. I don't think they're a 501C, so I think they're filed differently, so they have to show somewhat of a profit. So okay, they're open. You call a civic center, they're like, yeah, when do you need it? When do you want it? And usually the civic centers love my show because they can sell a lot of liquor. My audiences drink a lot of liquor. You, you have to drink a few drinks to hear some guy talk about his scrotum. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, usually you need a few shots to get that going. And we keep our ticket prices low, too, because they – Always said, nobody should have to pay too much to hear a large guy talk dirty.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've actually been on a couple of your shows, and uh, you actually gave me my first stand-up show, Don. There's a
2: lot of people that tell me that, that I'm usually the first one to give them a chance. And I I don't know. If somebody's got a hint of funny, I usually like to nurture it, because I want to see stand-up when I'm too old to do it. I want to be able to go out and see stand-up. So I've yeah. always been nurturing. And, and the other thing, too, is I've never been treated that well in this industry. I mean, I've been treated horribly by the, you know, the established industry. They've just never wanted me around. And I always said I would never do that to the next group coming up because I was like, I, I knew how much that would hurt. And you'd drive eight hours to get a guest set, and then they'd tell you no after they already told you yes. And I just never wanted to do that to someone. So I always wanted to leave it nicer um, you know, when I got in, I wanted to leave things nicer for the next people to come through.
1: And, you know, I can actually tell that, too. I didn't know about you being treated like shit before. But, uh, I, you can tell that you actually care and want to make things happen for upcoming comedians. At least give them a chance to do something.
2: Well, it's, it's really because I want the industry to, to continue. I want to see, you know, someday when I'm 50 and too old to get up there... And, I mean, I don't know if I could stay in good enough shape to still do stand-up at 50. But, you know, I watched one of my mentors, Captain Rowdy. Rest his soul. He's uh, he's dead now. But later in his life, he was a severe diabetic. And he had to brace his legs to be able to stand up and do comedy. And I oh, thought, wow. geez, and the guy loved it so much and just had so much joy doing it. And I thought, God, that could happen to me one day where I'm unable to get up there and do it. But I, I want to be able to watch it. I want to be able to see it, you know, and... So that that's kind of you know that's kind of how I would I always you know I'd want to be able to go out some Saturday night with my wife and go check out a comedy show and and still be able to see it but it, if it's not nurtured for younger comedians it'll be gone and you won't won't have the opportunity to watch it.
1: Yeah, so do you see the scene growing now and getting stronger or are are you still in fear that it may fade away? I think
2: I think it's going. I think the bubble's going to burst pretty soon and Uh, it'll be relegated to the back rooms again like it, you know, I don't know what it once was. and I I don't know. It's um, I don't really see a lot of stand-up right now that gets me that excited. And, I mean, I I can't, I I know this is blasphemy to say, I don't get Louis C.K. I don't understand why that's good. And uh, people hate me because I say I like Dane Cook. And it's funny because they say, well, (laughs) Dane Cook's hacking Louis C.K. I'm like, well, did you like Dane Cook when he was, you know, before you knew of Louis C.K. No, I hated Dane Cook, but if he was hacking Louis C.K.'s material and Louis C.K.'s a genius, you should have liked Dane Cook. (laughs) That's so, I mean, I, I, I just don't get like Amy Schumer, her hacking Patrice O'Neill at the Apollo. I I don't know how, how everybody said that was okay. I, I I don't get her at all either. I just don't understand it.
1: Yeah. So what do you look for in a comedian? Just something original uh, and different.
2: Just something weird. I mean, even if you're doing kind of stock material, like, every guy does masturbation jokes. I, I want to see your masturbation joke, you know? I want to see personalized stuff. I I still love a good story comic that can go up there and tell me a story of something really messed up that they did and add some punchlines to it and just move it along. I love watching that.
1: Okay. And- so who who would be one besides Dan Cook that uh, you are, like intrigued by now I
2: didn't, I didn't even know why I like Dan cook I just I think the reason I like him is because he looks like he's having I, it, it looks like he generally loves doing stand-up comedy and I, 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 I'm drawn to that I'm drawn to enthusiasm I always have been and uh, and I don't know I haven't seen many comics lately The, I um, God, I'm trying to think of a few that I could name off that I watched uh, Jay Moore I watched his special uh, I really loved that his, his last special. I mean, I just thoroughly enjoyed that, and so there's some older <laughs> listened- comics that are coming back doing stuff that just—I think it's fantastic. I thought his last special was great. I enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, Dice his Clay, wife wrote that. Dice Clay put out a show called the Blue Show where he had some dirty comics, and that was just classic Dice. I loved that. I loved watching him host and put that show together. I adore him.
1: <laughs> That's good to see Dice doing things. Again. I know
2: it's funny going back to the tough guy routine and. And, you know, he's just a little Jewish guy, and he still does. I love the routine. I I love Dr. (laughs) Thorham. Hey. I mean, I know him and uh, my all-time favorite comedian, Sam Kinison. I know they had a feud and everything, but I love them both. I mean –
1: did you know um, – well, I listened to the Jay Moore podcast. You were, like, talking about his stand-up. Did you know he – he says his wife wrote that whole thing. I could believe it. I bet she has a funny perspective. Nikki Cox, yeah.
2: <clears throat> I mean, you can't be married to a comedian and not start seeing some stuff. I mean, my wife's, like, uh, you know, come up with some things where she's just going off and mad, and I'm sitting there writing some of the stuff she's saying down. Because <laughs> pissed-off women can do some really funny stuff. Yes.
1: Yes, but definitely. I yeah
2: I bet you anything he's sitting around with his wife gave her a writing credit because she was railing on about the ID channel and everything and I mean yeah I, I can imagine I bet she's got a funny streak she's a uh, I, I saw her at a, a TV recording of that Unhappily Ever After met her and Bobcat the same night and she <laughs> was younger then but God she was a she was a knockout she was gorgeous yeah so for her to be with jay moore you know she's got a funny streak there because he, he's a brilliant stand-up i think he's great
1: he is a funny guy yeah i haven't seen much of his stand-up lately i just listened to his podcast for the most part Unbelievable and it, it impressionist. he's a really great impressionist too he does he does he does a really good walk-in yeah uh does colin quinn to a t i
2: haven't seen him do it but i heard it's it's really funny what the yeah, door McDonald did on that special? Just me, had me and my wife, we were just rolling over that. God, we, we were
1: doing that for two weeks. We just kept, I hey, hate Patty. I
2: mean, oh, it's just killing us. So that was, that was yeah. fantastic stuff.
1: He has conversations between, like, himself and Colin Quinn or whoever he is talking about. And, you know, it sounds like he's actually having a conversation with that person, which is impressive being able to switch yeah. up a voice like and that. And some guys just have a talent where they can impersonate. I mean, some guys just really have it. I actually learned a little bit about Walken from listening to his uh, impersonation. You know, it's not just all the up, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, he's, he's really this. got down,
2: because he was on that movie with him, so he... He probably got a, a chance to sit around and soak him up for real, and really, you know, get that set in.
1: Oh yeah, Suicide King. Yeah, he uh, he he did talk about that working with Walken. He like studied all his mannerisms and noticed instead of just the high pit, like the like you know the up, up energetic part of the voice, yeah. like which which I discovered is a combination between like an East Coast accent and Valley Girl. Um,
2: Well, it's interesting because a lot of guys do a Christopher Walken impression, and it just doesn't get old. It's funny. I mean, everybody doing a Christopher Walken impression is funny. It it just Even bad ones, they're funny. (laughs) It's such a funny character to impersonate. So, I mean, I don't know. Anytime I see somebody do it, I, I get a kick out of it. I mean, it's like when somebody does Arnold. It's funny to see somebody do Arnold Schwarzenegger. It just cracks me up.
1: Yeah, there's just there's two different kinds of Arnold at least yeah. you know there's the uh, one you know that get in the chopper like get down get down now yeah it's funny then, it's funny to hear it and then there's like the like who's your daddy and what does he do
2: <laughs> See, like I said it's funny Arnold is funny so I mean yeah it, it I don't know he does uh, he does walk probably better than anybody and uh, yeah I mean everybody's pretty much doing an impersonation of Jay Moore doing an impersonation of Christopher Walken. <laughs> that's pretty much I mean, what it's really it is. where it comes down to and i don't know you watch you watch walking and sometimes you're thinking of jay moore doing his impression while you're watching him
1: christopher walken starts doing an impersonation of jay moore doing an impersonation be hilarious. of him <laughs> 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 it comes full circle and your brain explodes yeah. <laughs> it's like okay i've seen it all
2: but other than him i mean i haven't really have tried to watch a few specials but uh I don't know if I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I just, uh, sometimes some comics just annoy the hell out of me. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the, the thing is with it, I just want to see something a little bit different and messed up. And I haven't seen Kevin Hart's stand up, but the guy really makes me laugh. So I got to go watch some of his stuff because he makes me laugh in movies. I, the guy's just funny to me.
1: Yeah, I actually got to see him when I was in college. He came and performed at uh, my college back in, like, 2004 before he was big. He was just doing college tours. Yeah. And uh, saw him with, like, a crowd of, like, 20 people. And then later on, he's like, oh, my God, Kevin Hart. He's, he made it, yeah. you know, the overnight success that took 10 years, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and um, I think he's very, very funny in movies. And... I thought he's – some of these roast I watched, I thought he was pretty funny on those. So, um, I, I mean, other than that, I don't know. Uh, Wendy – oh, wait, that um, – God, what's that girl's name? The really, uh, really attractive girl. Let's not get credit for it. Um, oh, God, they always make dick-sucking jokes to her on the roast. Whitney Cummings? Whitney Cummings. I saw her special. Loved it. I thought she was great.
1: Yeah, she's kind of had, like, at least from what I've heard of her, kind of similar to, like, a – a Sarah Silverman type, but a different way. Yeah,
2: and I like I, li- I kind of like Sarah Silverman. I watched one of her specials, and and I, I really enjoyed that. I watched uh, one of Margaret Cho's uh, Oh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I really liked that one too, because I've always kind of liked her. But the yeah, the Whitney Cummings. I think she's just. Uh, I I think she's just um, you know classic. I think she's gorgeous, but I think her comedy is very very good, and. I thought she was fantastic in that special. I don't know what the special was. I can't remember the
1: name of it, but
2: thought it was very, very funny. I really enjoyed it, too. I thought it was really, really good.
1: Do you ever watch any of the Netflix comedy specials? I
2: try to get to some of them, but if I'm watching the Netflix, uh, my wife's got control of that, so I get Trailer Park Boys, and I don't get to watch much else because <laughs> she, she only allots me a certain amount of time with the Netflix, and then I have to go to another TV. Cause she's watching ID channel or some, I I don't know. Women always want to watch something like that where hot girls are getting chopped up by weird dudes. I, I don't know what's going on. They're always watching that stuff.
1: I know. Tell me about it. Like lifetime television, television for women.
2: Yeah. They love to watch other women get their asses kicked. I don't
1: know. Exactly. It's like, oh, this is a nice touching story of how a woman got. Yeah, beat then they
2: have the audacity men. to say that porn is degrading to women. I'm like, well, nobody's getting <laughs> beat up in this. I mean, I mean,
0: that the, is The true. guy may
2: be slapping around a little bit, but she's into it. It's for fun, you know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So that some of the stuff she wants to watch, she loves serial killer stuff. Kind of scares the hell out of me. <laughs> you it's might like want to keep an eye on her. Study that she can kill me and make it my fault. Make it like a big mess. Look like a weird suicide. So. Some days I get a little nervous over that, so... And my wife does not... She doesn't have much patience for stand-up. So if we start <laughs> watching some stand-up and she doesn't like it, we got,
1: like, three minutes and then I have to turn it off. Oh, uh, that's... That's too bad. Have you ever... One stand-up comedian that I like that I has a Netflix uh, Netflix special is uh, Jim Jeffries. Have you listened to him? Is he the English guy? He's uh, Australian. Oh, okay.
2: Sorry to all the English people. Um... <laughs> well yeah i i saw like a few clips of him but i don't think i've ever seen him in
1: a he's full got show. some funny stories he's got some funny stories he he, he has a storytelling ability with the punchlines like you were uh, explaining earlier that you like to see in stand-up comics and uh somewhat dirty and entertaining all the way through drinking a beer the whole time through the show yeah i kind of and... like
2: that um i like it when comics drink a little bit and you know, I, I don't know. It adds a little realism to it that it shows that they've been on the road and <laughs> actually worked <laughs> some bars and some clubs where they have a few drinks.
1: Yeah. So uh, you have a few video-on-demand specials coming up, right?
2: Yeah, I've got three. The video-on-demand, I'm doing Adult Volume 1, Adult Volume 2, and Adult Volume 3. It's basically all the material I've done for, like, the um, oh, last 10 to 15 years. And I'm just going to put it into three basically three piles, record hour sets, and then just release it on video on demand, and then not do that material again, you know, try to write a whole new act for uh, April 1st, 2017. I got a recording at a civic center, and I'm going to try to come up with something uh, different. So I'm going to kind of do all that material and then just kind of move on, try to get some whole brand new act for the April 1st one.
1: Okay, April 1st next year? Yeah, 2017. 17, 17, all right. That's
2: when I'll record it and then try to, I don't know, maybe the last time I tried to do like DVD and Blu-ray, because DVDs are kind of going out, but I always wanted to have a Blu-ray, but maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I should just record a record or something, go old school, or maybe try to get
1: the hipster market. The hipsters (laughs) would like that. Give away a free cardigan with it. Yeah, you know,
2: (laughs) you drink Pabst Blue Ribbon with it or something like that. But I I don't know. I just I always wanted to do one Blu-ray. And so I'll I'll see where that one, if it's any good, it may suck, too. So I'll have to see. But it takes a while to write an act. So if I work real hard and kind of, you know, get to it, maybe I can come up with something pretty, I don't know, okay, pretty good, funny. It's just something a little different. Maybe something a little fun to do.
1: Right on, right on. Challenge yourself. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know.
2: I mean that—that's one thing I've always because people always say, "Well, what do you want to do in stand up?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" They go, "Well, what's your goal?" I'm like, "Well, to do stand up. That's pretty much all I ever wanted to do." <laughs> I mean, they always think you want to be on like some sitcom. I'm like, "No, I just want to do stand up, produce it, and release it, and maybe uh, you know some people will buy it and like it." That's really all I've ever wanted to do with it. And
1: yeah, so. Um, are you just sick of doing your old material right now, well, and you, want to move on? Or problem is, I'm getting but,
2: old, so you can't really do jokes about running around trying to fuck something. You know, I mean, yeah, sooner or later, you kind of have to graduate from that. So that's <laughs> kind of a lot of it. It's like, okay, you're getting old. Uh, it's like that scene from um, a wedding, uh, the wedding scene. Nobody wants to watch an old guy hit on chicks. It's sad, you know. <laughs> so I now I've got a kid. i got to kind of write new family jokes, kid jokes. You know, you got to come up with that. you got going to have to graduate to other material.
1: Yeah. And I know you said you don't like Louis C.K., that, but that's kind of when Louis C.K. became big after he had his kids yeah. and kind of made it more about what he was going and through with that. And I know it's
2: so popular. Yeah. And... Um but I love the movie American Hustle because uh, Bradley Cooper beat the shit out of him in the movie. I love that movie, and that's, like, (laughs) great because I'm like, God, I would love to beat the shit out of Louis C.K. because he reminds me of that smug prick that hung out at the coffee shop doing open mic talking down to everybody. That's what he reminds me of, so I I have trouble getting past that, where he just just thinks he's so brilliant. I mean, I just get that sense from him, and I've watched his comedy trying to like it, I just, I, something about him, I just can't like him. And, and his, his material kind of frustrates me a little. I, I don't know. I just, I think people want him to be some genius that he just, he, I, I don't know, I'm just not getting it, I guess. And maybe that's just me. I'm just not getting it. Comedy is so subjective. There's a lot of stuff that, well, there's a lot of people that don't get the hell, what anything I'm doing. So, I mean, I can't really get mad about it. But I hate when people keep pushing, oh, you got to like Louis C.K. I'm like, no, I I, I can't get into him. i d I'm trying I tried with the Amy Schumer. I'm just I'm just not I can't get into her either. I mean.
1: Yeah, I think uh this goes back to a reference you made earlier that makes perfect sense. The whole vodka at the bar reference. Yeah, like.
2: and the thing is with Amy Schumer is I watched that special at the Apollo with that and it wasn't really a hack joke, it was just a stock joke. But if you're doing a comedy special I, I don't want to see stock jokes from you. I want to see... I don't even care if you're doing stuff that isn't really good. I want to see your stuff. I'd rather tell, you know, insights and stories, you know. I mean, that's a... I mean, she's a major, major figure in stand-up now, and I, I just was... I was expecting more from her, I guess, and and I, I know they were go to... The, oh, it's because she's a female, and, well, and there's just some stuff she does that I just don't like. I mean, if you're going to be a dirty female, own it, and then she rails on some kid that made a picture that said oh, spent the night with Amy Schumer, not the first to say it, and she got all pissed at him. It's like, calm the fuck down. I mean, you put yeah. that sort of thing out there. I mean, you know, if I come walking in a room and they say, oh, there's that Donzilla guy, hide your daughters, there comes the freaking monster, i laugh that stuff off, you know. Or, you know, if somebody repeats your own jokes to you, that's kind of an honor. You know, I mean, if somebody came up, oh, look at the size of your forehead, oh, my God, look at that... Fi-. I'm gonna laugh it off because I've made jokes about my forehead looking huge, and you know, I mean, okay, yeah, I ain't gonna be mad. Like, how dare you insult my forehead? <laughs> like, yeah, get a picture of this this monstrous forehead, do you?
1: Yeah, you can't be like making fun of yourself on stage and then get off stage and like, no, I'm completely serious. Yeah, now. how dare you um, make that? How-
2: yeah, come on, just own it, and, you know. Have a picture with somebody and enjoy it. I mean, be happy. Somebody wants to cover you. God. Comics, we we beg for any type of exposure we can get. Any little bit you can get on your work is great. And I don't know. I just, it just she just does things that I, I I don't know. And then her her uh, she's related to Chuck Schumer, so she you know. And then she's up there talking about gun control. It's like, come on, that's not your place. Just tell dirty jokes and and move on with it. I mean, comedians are yeah. supposed to make people forget about world problems, not. You know we're supposed to bring him down, not be up there talking about it. I know some people shot up at her movie, but that happens. It wasn't her fault. Now she's saying, "I wish I'd never wrote that movie." Fuck you! <laughs> that movie made you famous, made you a lot of money. So you, wish yeah. you never wrote it. I mean, come on. One crazy shoots a theater up there. I mean, Jesus. And she makes it makes it all about her. So sorry, I hate to go off on Amy Schumer, but yeah, she just bugs the shit out of me i gotta be
1: honest sorry <laughs> right, man this is your podcast yeah. too man so talk about what you want if amy schumer pisses you off if uh that lady in the supermarket line yeah. with the blue hair ahead of you it took too long to find the exact 37 cent change you know
2: well and then there's some comics that i really like like that uh Onzi kid or what's his name i'm not sure I, I don't know my my nephew turned me on to him and i watched him a stamp i thought it was funny saw him in a movie once i'm like who is that guy he's like little uh i don't know if he's like where he's from i don't know what his background is um but he, he was in a he was in that movie with seth rogan observing and report and he's like i love chick-fil-a why would i blow up chick-fil-a <laughs> i mean he kind of cracked me up <laughs> in that and i mean it does not take much to get me to like you comedically i'm easy and i, and I love comedy so i mean it does not take much i mean Two laughs and I'm yours. I mean, really, that's how <laughs> I mean I laugh at mascots. I'm i I'm an easy laugh. I'll laugh at messed up stuff. So really I'm a I'm a true comedy fan, so it does not take much to get me on your side. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't can't remember the guys. Anzi something.
1: Uh I'll have to look that up and maybe I'll put something in the show notes about it. Well, if whoever it is, I like
2: it is. I saw a little bit of my Nephew told me about him, and I I watched a little bit of it. God, I liked it. I thought it was funny.
1: Right on. Cool. So you're easy in becoming a fan of somebody in comedy. Uh, What would you give for advice to somebody that's starting out in comedy?
2: Well, if you're going to do it for money, don't. Um, Because, I mean, there's not much money in comedy. You have to really produce a lot of stuff and get a lot of residual money to to make a, a decent living in this. And you have to work a lot of road shows anymore to make a decent living. So if you want money, stand up comedy is probably not the way to go. I always tell people, it's like, hey, I want to want to get into stand up. I want to make some money. I- I'm tired of my job. I'm like, go into real estate or, or sell life insurance or uh, sell loans. You know, be a loan officer. Go into one. I mean, get into the stock market. Get into the financial sector if you want to make a pile of money. Well, I mean, yeah. if you really enjoy stand up, then do that. I mean, just do what you really like and uh, don't think about money. Just do something because you really like to do it. And you'd be amazed if you really do good work on something and put a lot of passion into it. Money just kind of starts to show up if that's not your – I mean, if you make something that enough people really like and you 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 put something out that's pretty good, money just shows up. I mean, my biggest seller is probably the cheapest DVD we made – and I don't know, I some people think it's a complete piece of shit, but the thing sells like crazy, so some people really like it. I mean, and it's just bar comedy. Dirty, straight-ahead, drunken bar comedy, and it sells like crazy. And which
1: DVD is that?
2: X-rated. I think it's because people think it's porn. <laughs> which is kind of pathetic. It's like, just read the subtitle. I mean, even... Every porn I've ever gotten, I, I do a little research on it, see what it is. I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of see what you're looking at, you know, I mean, you turn over the cover and look on the back, you know, the pool boy, whatever, you know, it gives you a little bit of subplot in it.
1: It's like, ooh, X-rated, this looks good. Yeah, X-rated, get... you
2: know, it's like, okay, well, look at it, it says stand-up comedy by, you know, some oversized pervert getting drunk on a stage, and then... Worst reviewed DVD I've got from, like, users because I think people think it's porn and they get pissed at me when it's not. <laughs> so maybe it's not that good uh comedy-wise. Maybe just people are thinking it's porn. So maybe I'm pulling a – my wife is just saying you should name everything you uh, everything you do should be X-rated volume one, volume two, volume three. <laughs> so
1: There you go. I'm
2: like, I don't know. But then the people who like it and buy it, because I notice people rent it and then they go back and buy it. And those reviews are real good. The people who buy it really like it. So, I don't know, I just got some people that are mad trying to hide their porn online porn habit from their wife saying they're renting something on the Amazon account. But the other platforms, <laughs> it it really does well on those, too. So
1: Right on, right on. So, just do it because you love it, not because you're trying to make the money yeah, on cause it.
2: Yeah, it, is... really, because you're going to be disappointed too soon, and... I mean, it's. uh, I've got a lot of comics telling me I'm the first one that's ever paid them. And, you know, they get all excited. Some comics get too geeked up when they get a check with their name on it for comedy. And it's like, no, guys, it's not going to. Then they want, I want to do everything you got. I'm like, no, it doesn't really work that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you got to cycle through so people don't get sick of their. Well, there's
2: just not. I mean, there's not as many shows on the road as there, there used to be. I mean a lot of the clubs are are dying off and closing which I think is good because I don't think the comedy club has much to offer anymore. It's they're running on the same formula they have since 1983. Comedy had a boom in the 80s, so they're they're just waiting for it to come back and using the same players. They the comedy clubs have kind of passed over two generations of comics. Yeah. And these guys have gone to like coffee shops, bar rooms, you know pizza shop corners anywhere they can go to do stand-up some of them rent theaters to do it and the comedy clubs really did a disservice to a couple generation of comics because it could have helped both i mean the comedy club would have been helped by it and so could have the comics by being able to showcase in these rooms but comedy clubs want to go with what they've been doing since 80s and 90s and I mean, they're, they're closing, and I, I think it's a good thing. I think it needs to die
1: to be uh, rebuilt in a better way. So where do you see comedy moving to, then?
2: Well, I think the comedy club can, I mean, it could be rebuilt. I think there'll be new comedy clubs that open up that are different. I mean, the reason I know this, I mean, not really know this, but the reason I think this is because I had a comedy club, and I watched what was happening, and I, I saw how hard it was to make money. And he had to paper the room. He had to give. You have to give away free tickets to a comedy club to get people to come in to buy enough drinks to make the comedy worth it. So yeah. I mean, that's. I don't know. I never thought that was really going to work. And uh, I don't know. It's almost like they have to pay to get out of the club. That's kind of what a comedy club works on. Meanwhile, some kid down the street putting on his own show, charging five dollars a ticket. And he's getting 100, 120 people to show up on a Wednesday night to watch, uh, you know, guys that are semi-pro and amateurs do a five-comic showcase. Yeah. And then the comedy club's mad, saying he's ruining the business down the street. It's like, well, you want this kid to do three minutes open mic once a month and give him a chance in 10 years? Some guys don't want to wait that long. And meanwhile, they're they're moving on a kid who's got. You know, a nice little fan base in a town that could fill up a comedy club with those people drinking in there.
1: Yeah, all right. Yeah, so basically, (laughs) if the comedy clubs want to survive, they have to adapt, or the scene will.
2: Well, they have to nurture the young talent. I mean, there's there's young comedians out there that, I mean, they'll go up, they'll they'll work themselves to death to get a nice show, and you know, they'll flyer, they'll promote, they'll get their family there, they'll get people there to support it, and. I mean, that helps everybody out. Everybody, you get new comic, new uh, new acts, and, you know, it'd help the club. It'd keep the club fresh, and it would help the young comics. They'd get a credit saying I worked that club. But some of these comic clubs, I mean, there's uh, where I live out here in Iowa, there's two comedy clubs left in the whole state. And one of them's, uh, oh, God, that one, one in Cedar Rapids, that's about to close any second.
1: Really? Oh, yeah,
2: that guy owes money all over town. And. I mean, when I call down to place radio advertising in that town, they always ask, are you the are you the Donzilla guy? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, you're the guy that pays, so we don't have to, you know. Oh, have to pay ahead of time. So I have to qualify that. So I, I hear that from a lot of people that that's about, about ready to go. Oh, wow. So then you have one comedy club
1: left in the whole state. But there are a lot of venues for comedy. Still. Oh, yeah, there's tons like... of bars
2: and stuff that are starting to do it.
1: I know Iowa City has quite a few, like the Yacht Club. And does Gabe's do comedy now? I
2: don't know anymore. I, I did something there. That's a nice place. they are nice people over there, too.
1: Yeah. But I think they like do Gabe... it once in a
2: while, which is kind of where it's going to end up, where hey, people will do like a once-in-a-while show, the weeklies are probably going to uh, die off unless they're open mics or small showcases and whatnot. Yeah, that's...
1: It's a possibility. Hopefully, hopefully the, something happens that the comedy business gets strong or stays strong, you know? Yeah, I think it's uh, got to
2: die before it can be rebuilt, though. That's the one problem. And Something's got to die and then be missed a little bit, and then it kind of comes back a little bit better.
1: Yeah, the whole supply and demand thing. Yeah.
2: I mean, it happens with music um, every so often. Certain types of music die off, and then you know, kind of gain some nostalgia for it, and it comes back, and... I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It all depends on what these hipster kids are going to like in five years or what their children are going to take, to. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just hoping it sticks around because I, I love to watch uh, stand-up. So, I mean, I'm hoping it's around in 10 years, 15 years, and 20 years when I'm too old to get up and, or nobody wants to hear an old guy talk dirty. I'll have to have to hang it so, up and sit down and watch some. You know, I don't
1: see you getting too old to go on stage. I see you up there like 80-year-old shaking like Bob Hope was. I hope the hell like, not, man. I don't man, I, I, you remember when, uh, yeah. when we used to do, do dirty <laughs> things that people
0: nowadays would get arrested for? Yeah, That,
2: that would be nice to have that kind of uh, endurance and perseverance over the years, though. God, I mean, some of those guys have been doing it forever and, and it's still funny. Like Bob Hope was always funny.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. and so
2: I don't know, he just I kept
1: at it till the end, man. Well, who's the
2: one old guy that? that oh, God, I hate to say it this way, the, the Jew, um, Don Rickles. Oh yeah, he's great. I've seen him, but
1: um, um
2: the yeah, what's his name? It's like the Lewis Black.
1: Oh, Lewis Black. Yes, yeah, that he's guy. Is he's awesome. still raging up there. I like,
2: I like that Jew. He's a good guy.
1: I see him going out on stage. Like as he's all worked out, just have like a coronary Yeah, he might have
2: a massive heart attack and worked up over a Starbucks across the street, and just drop dead, but
1: I mean I still like one of his bits that always like rings out to me as he was like talking like next time i go to los angeles just remind me to take two sharp sticks jab them in my eyes and move
0: them around
2: <laughs> yeah I, li- I like him he's just pissed um uh, it has yeah, a funny routine so
0: i don't know yeah you guys
2: yeah. uh the thing with comedy though is uh, you can do it when you're older i mean it's not that like rock true. and roll you don't really have a shelf life with some people of course God, I don't know, rock and roll, the uh, generation's still doing that. I mean, those guys are old and they're still doing it, too,
1: so... Still wearing spandex and all that shit. Yes,
2: yeah, so, I mean, you know what? When it comes down to it, fuck age, I guess. I mean, I guess you don't have to act your age. I guess there is no limitation to that. You can do it. If, if you want to do it at 70, hell, have at it.
1: I guess that they can get away, but really, who really wants to see a 60-year-old dude in body glitter and spandex?
2: Well, apparently some people do because they're still feeling... Yeah. Oh, that's probably the nostalgia of it, though.
1: Like, Maybe. It makes them feel like they're yeah. like, back I in mean, the 1980s. I mean, my just
2: bought a ticket to see Rick Springfield, and she loved it. <laughs> I, mean, I went with her to see Bret Michaels. I loved it. Her texts right, my wife uh... in the middle of the concert. I'm like, he played every Rose as his Thor. She texts back, fag. <laughs> 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 like, you just don't get it. Brett Michaels is awesome. <laughs>
1: did you watch like the rocket oh, love loved it oh man that that those dating shows are a big joke which are kind of funny to watch sometimes but it's like really I find myself just asking really the whole time well
2: you know what static you don't watch it to watch the one girl that wins you watch it to watch the 25 that are gonna lose
1: that is true I mean, going really, down
2: that's kind of the allure of that's why women love those shows they love to watch hot chicks get rejected and cry. <laughs> I mean, they're really watching it for the ones that are going to get turned down. Like, yeah, take that, you bitch. You're not good enough for them. You know, they just – part of them love to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That goes back to the whole Lifetime channel thing. Oh, women get it and always beat or cheated on. and Oh, that's good quality television yeah. programming for women. <laughs>
2: Well, and then everybody talks Sanctity of Marriage, but yet we watch The Bachelor. <laughs> I'm like, you really want to go on the Sanctity of Marriage right now? I mean, you got 25, 25 kind of semi-slutty women willing to do a lot to get a rose.
1: Exactly, yeah. Like... There was
2: a guy from Iowa who was on it, and you know everybody played up the farm thing. I'm like, no, girl from New York, Chicago, is going to want to come live on a farm. Uh,
1: no. That guy was nine no. to eight
2: ball on that. I mean, he had the... The good, you know, good Iowa farm boy thing, you know, and but my mom's like, well, what if you're on that show? I'm like, no, I'd embarrass everybody if I. I'd fuck all twenty five of them if I was on that show. <laughs> Put in a room where the girls willing to fuck for a rose, my god, I, I couldn't. I mean, I, I, I'd be like, a, <laughs> I'd be like a bulimic at a buffet at that point. I just couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't work it.
1: A binge and then purge.
2: Yeah, I'd just go after it. <laughs>
1: all right all right that that right there that is good quality tv right there Don. <laughs>
2: you bet buddy you bet
1: who will basically who will do me for a rose that yep. should be the next uh next uh yeah the next bachelor It's kind
2: of why we watch you know and then the i don't know he he's gonna pick the slutty one come
1: on <laughs> yeah there you go and then Get a divorce down the line. You got your yeah, 15 minutes of shame yeah, and 30 groupies. This group show's views. just
2: entertainment. I mean, nobody's really, nobody's really gonna get married. I mean, I wish at the end of the show they'd force whoever he picked to get married.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that'd be. I mean, pick
2: a rose. So bring the stakes the a right there, and just go with it.
1: Raise the stakes a little bit. Make it more real.
2: Yep. All right, here's the minister. All right, Get the reins. Let's do this.
1: And uh, there's a clause here: you have to stay married for ten years, or else uh, yeah, you have to pay back everything you oh, made yeah. for the show. Yeah,
2: then you got to pay back the house fee and the house rent, and the cleanup, and
1: yes, yes, <laughs> that's that's it. All right, Don. Uh, well, let's go. It's about that time to start wrapping things up here. I have a question that I ask all my guests. Uh, it's based on the name of the show, Uncontained, and. It's how do you live uncontained? Meaning, how do you go against uh, society being like you can't be a stand-up comedian, you can't go out on the road, you can't have a show in Vegas, you can't you can't perform for coffee if you want to. um But what do you do to you know break the constraints of society and how do you live uncontained?
2: Well, I've been told I can't do anything my ent- my entire life. I live in the Midwest. There's always. I mean, unless you want to uh, start a family and run a farm, I mean, basically, they'll tell you you can't do anything. I've been told I couldn't do things my whole life. Um, but the main thing is I hate when people tell me I can't do comedy in a town. Like, I'd go into a town, ask a club, hey, can we do a show here? No, we don't want anything to do with you. Okay, I'll go across the street, rent the theater, and do a show right there. If I want to do a show, I will do a show. I will rent a place. I will... Hell, I'll... I'll build a goddamn place if I want to do something that bad. <laughs> I'll get out there with the Amish and build a freaking venue with a stage and shit and do a show. So nobody has ever been able to stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And nor nor should anybody want to stop anybody from doing something. As long as you're not doing something illegal, what does anyone care? And, I mean, I would never. I mean, my wife, if she wants to do something, I'll let her do it. it ain't hurt me any. I mean, what a what a great world when we just leave each other alone, let each other do what we want to do. I mean, yeah. so it'll make a lot better country if we start leaving each other alone and letting people pursue the things they'd like to do. I mean, if somebody wants to play golf every Sunday, who am I to tell them outside of the weather that they can't do that? If somebody wants to go to movies on Tuesday night, who am I to tell them they can't do that?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, man. Uh, the only time you tell him, he said, besides the weather. So if it's lightning, probably shouldn't go out there. If it's drizzling, go for it. But I mean, <laughs>
2: permitting the law. If you're not breaking the law and you want to do something, by all means, have at it. I mean, we get uh, this country's got to change. We got to start enjoying ourselves again. We got to start doing things we really like to do. My father's always told me that he goes, if you can find something you like to do at the end of the week, your week's a lot easier. You know, your, your work week is a lot easier if there's something you can look forward to once a week or even once a month. So, and he, he's right. He's right. If you got one little thing yeah. that you like, can enrich your everything, your life makes everything better. If you got one thing you truly enjoy doing,
1: that right there is uh, very good advice. Sometimes, sometimes parents actually know what they're talking about.
2: Yeah, they really do. And then you know, I I've got a son. If um, you know, if he grows up wants to play the piano, I'm gonna nurture that. If he wants to play football like his dad, uh, I'll nurture that. I mean, whatever he wants to do, I'm gonna nurture it. I mean, if he has, a, you know, he has a liking for something I don't even really get into. I'll try to learn about it, and if something makes him truly happy, I'll be happy that he's that happy.
1: That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. <sighs> All right, and now I'm I've been having my guests sign off the show uh with uh live uncontained so could you uh do me the favor and sign us off the show today give it your own little flavor or whatever the donzilla twist and uh end up with uh live uncontained
2: this is donzilla don ternagle with aaron static the render live uncontained
0: Thanks again to Don Trenagle for coming on the show today and even breaking out his old nickname for me, Aaron Static the Render in the sign-off. And if you ever do get a chance to check out Don Trenagle Live, you should definitely do so. If you aren't so lucky, do the next best thing. Check out his website, don zilla Dot com, And uh, you can check out his DVDs there. And after doing a little bit of Googling, I figured out what comedian he was talking about from Observe and Report. It's Aziz Ansari. And Don, if you like him in that, you should definitely check him out in his Netflix show, Master of None. And uh, no, Netflix is not a sponsor of the show, but if they want to be, I won't turn them down. Thank you again for uh, listening to the show today. Um, Please, if you want to help out the show, please rate, review, subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or just share us anywhere, whatever pod player you listen in. Share us on Facebook. Share us on the World Wide Web. Share with all your friends. Share us with your grandma if she's cool. I don't care. But uh, yes, thank you for listening. And as always, until next time, live uncontained.